All right, Dave, we always started off with your franchise story. How did you fall into this crazy industry that we both occupy? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Everyone falls into it. Only, let's see, let's see I guess Johnny Francis, Angela Cote, and you know, now I've got one other friend now that they're all, they, they kind of were born into born it. Born into it, right? Yeah, very few. I guess, well, Zach Fishman, right? Like the next generation of fish was there a few, right? But uh, yeah, our um, we we really are... Well, my story starts with with a, a gentleman, Conrad Kolba. He he was one of the founders of Five Star Painting, Five Star Franchising. Kind of brought that crew together, and then he exited right before the Dwyer Group. But we're neighbors. Our oldest boys are the same age. We're at a camp out, and he starts telling me about this tech company that he owned. I laughed at him because I I grew up in tech, and I was like, "What are you doing with a tech company, man? You're a painting franchise, or like, how does that correlate?" And then he told me what they did, and I was like. Conrad, I've been running sales teams and high-end CRMs for years. You can't do that. Like, I think you're mistaken. Because he's like, oh, we can automate all this stuff. Like, we automate texting, automate calling, automate emailing. I'm like, I use like, you know, arguably one of the most expensive and most dynamic CRMs in the world at the time. And, and I couldn't do any of that stuff. We we're paying like 250 bucks a month per person. And so uh, anyway, long story short, I ended up looking at the platform with him and doing some coaching and mentoring. And he asked me to join. And I said, no, because I was running another company. And then the timing was just perfect. Like the day I decided I just couldn't do that any longer. Uh, I literally five minutes later, I got a call from Conrad and he's like, Hey, you ready to come help me run client tether? And I was like, all right, I get it. I get it. Like, sure. Let's talk about this. So kind of, kind of a fun story in that was, you know, f our first conversation over a campfire it was like seven years ago, but five years ago is when I joined. If you take all of your experience up into that point, how how backwards did you see when you got into franchising? How backwards did you think franchising and CRMs were when you uh, fell into it? Well, thought and sometimes still think. Uh, yeah, it's pretty backwards, honestly. The tech stacks, you, you know this from from you know the marketing, the you know the, the side of the house that you live on. There's some really arcane ideas, and uh, because of the data architecture needs, uh, most platforms can't play ball here. Like you try to use HubSpot, Salesforce, Dynamics, whatever you know, the big box CRMs, they just kind of fall apart or people get sucked into spending seven figures trying to configure these things. And it's all bailing wire and duct tape and chewing gum, holding stuff together. So I, I was, I've been surprised uh, actually how poorly serviced this industry has been. Yeah. I think uh, those that are in franchising, the bulk of them can get away with playing f five years, 10 years, 10 years behind uh, because you know, the, the saying has been the, 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 the best of what exists or the best of the worst. Um, and then the big boys didn't really care to build the solution the way that you have. Uh, they, they probably have enough business and don't want to mess with it. So it's an it's a interesting place because mm -hmm. franchisee at the unit level ends up being such a strong heartbeat of small business in America. But most of the big players, if you zoom out, they don't they don't see it, which obviously mm -hmm. that's that's where a company like yours over the course of a from a campfire to today can have growth because you're constantly trying to solve the problem. And I'm sure as you look at competition, uh, their their tech support might not be as strong or maybe they've cut off their ears and they don't know the term listening. Uh, so there's no evolution of product. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're 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 right on both accounts. <clears throat> Obviously, you've been in this space for quite a while, so you get to observe a lot of the same things that I do. You're just 
on the other end of the handoff, right? That lead conversion event, but it's, it's, it's exactly right. Um, there, there isn't as much interest. I don't think one, I don't think they understand how big of an opportunity there is in this industry. Uh, and so they don't focus energy on it. They're chasing the Charles Schwab's and the, the, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, which is what they were really designed for. Right. So I don't, I don't blame them, but, uh, they would have to undesign and redesign, re-architect their entire backend to be able to support franchising. I, th- I think this, none of them is willing to do it. And so that's, that's advantageous for us though. We, we appreciate that limitation. If I were to buy your company, as I'm looking at the message that you have on the screen, I would I would adjust it to something about unifying operations and sales, because mm-hmm. that 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 or even even the marketing component, like you're you're unifying an organization through through technology where they they tend to live on their own islands. Like I think you actually do bigger return, or you provide a bigger return than you take credit for in the way that you position your YU right now. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. And you're not wrong about that, because we find even on the Fran Dev side, right, we it was an accident almost that we kind of stumbled into franchise development, which is our fastest growing segment. We we were nine years ago built for unit level optimization and then uh, had somebody call me out of the blue and said, hey, Dave, um, can I use this for Fran Dev? And I was new to the industry. So I was like, well, what does Fran Dev mean? And then it started this great conversation with a, a consultant, Janice Charles, you might know her. She's just a great lady. But uh, she's like, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm just selling franchises. And then she showed me five disparate systems cobbled together with APIs and Zapiers. And I was like, uh, well, we do all that here. Well, let me show you. And I showed her and she's like, you idiot. She, she, you guys already have it all in one place. Like, why aren't you selling this as a Frandev tool? And I was like, well, I guess we are now. Uh, and so that then it just kind of took off like wildfire. But I, I find that that in this industry, uh, like because we can do franchise sales, we can do franchise support, like you're onboarding franchisees. And if you don't need massive uh, support tools for like store openers and things like that, we've got the Kanban board structure already built into the a different contact type you can use there too. And then they're using us at the unit level. So as, as you bring up, like there is a lot more unification than just a franchise CRM. Uh, that just happens to be the trigger word that a lot of people identify with. Yeah. Well, and as, as you're talking, I think the part of the magic of what you do is you're, if you don't do what you do on unit level operations, then franchise sales doesn't happen. Because what you're trying to say is, hey, franchisor, you better make your franchisees operations as simple as what it was in McDonald's when McDonald's was created, mm-hmm. because they've never operated a business before, most likely. Uh, and yeah. so if you want them to scale, you got to simplify it here. And so actually your, your impact back to franchise development is really is within the, the wheelhouse that you're building for the franchisees that onboard, because it will allow them to scale, allow them to validate, and their experience will be very concise because it will go from signing to training to opening and to scaling in a, in, in a process that most franchisors can articulate. So even though eventually you added the franchise sales component mm-hmm. you're already doing it by by solving the issues that really the franchisor struggles on which is how do we operationalize things for our franchisees so consistency exists across our entire system oh man yeah number one rule of franchising right make the franchisees wildly successful and then everything else works itself out uh, across the board and that's i, I agree with you 100 percent. our clients that tend to have uh who have used us at the unit level they tend to have much better uh, operating metrics than anybody in their space. In fact, one in particular, I won't won't name them by name, but they're in the, the cleaning space. They got acquired. 
There's still in their portfolio, I think, 11 companies that are owned by a very respectable platform company. They're still the number one lead conversion uh, 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 concept in the entire the entire portfolio. And it's because they've got the right tech in place. Well, that makes selling that franchise a lot easier because uh, you got tools out there like Patrick Fandaro's, like the the, uh, the vetted biz. Consumers are getting smarter now and consultants are getting smarter. They're looking at concepts that are performing better. And if you're item 19 doesn't stack up well against everybody else in your category, it's a little bit harder. It's an uphill battle. So we try to fix problem number one. And then uh, it cer certainly makes challenge number two, selling the units a lot easier. Out of, out of curiosity, speaking of selling, does a private equity fund that's looking to acquire one of your clients, do they ever call you and say, what do you see behind the sheets? Because you you can look at things in a different way. And then secondly, does when they have the right tech stack in place, does that increase valuations? Do you see that hitting the private equity side in franchising right now? That's a great question because there's so much M&A going on right now, right? Across franchising, fran tech, all sorts of stuff. Um, so first question is, do the, the private equity guys come? Does Riverside call me? They should, but they don't right now, uh, but they should. And uh, because, I mean, I my, we, my family just bought a franchise and I'm not going to lie. Like I can see all the back end metrics of these brands. And so I put in front of my wife, the, the couple of them, there was like, holy crap, we should sure. buy into this concept because I know the executive team, they're rock solid. They've got good processes. They're using our tech well. And their franchisees are paying off their entire upfront investment of their brand after like six to seven months and they're cash flowing 20K a month. Like that's a, that's a, that is a layout, lay down solution. Like you just, you buy 10 of those and, and you won't, you, you will constantly scale your money. But unfortunately she wasn't super interested in the home service space and she's the operator. So we ended up settling on something else, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, that it's all about uh, that. I think that you bring up, like if the investors can see the data, uh, we've got so much data uh, and then, and the, obviously with permission, right. I don't just get to hawk that data out, but um and the consumers can see that kind of data uh, in any sort of reports they've got. I, you know, I, I think that they would be foolish not to take a look at it because you can see true unit ops, true franchise organization operations. It's, it also unlocks the genius of the franchising model. It's not it's not the the cookie cutter business model that they put together in the ops manual. It's the collective genius of your franchise owners operating in different markets synergistically with their peers, trying to come up with the best idea to make the model work the best. And uh, we, that's another aspect of the platform. We can give comparative analyses of the different units operators and where in the process are they the best? And then you can harness that. And most, most franchise systems aren't even, they're not even capable. They have no clue. They just know who pays the most royalties and who gets the most leads. And that's how they make their guesses. And it's a lot different when you're looking at data like we've got. Well, I think that's, that's part of the reason why, well, first of all, pri private equity should be calling you and saying, give us the inside track here or give us your opinions on mm -hmm. whether this category makes sense. But I think that's part of the reason why private equity loves franchise brands, because in most founder led businesses or even, even some non-founder led businesses, there's so many shortcuts taken and so take take the tech stack, right? Private equity buys for whatever the multiple is, seven, eight, ten X. Mm -hmm. They all know we go and put the right tech stack in place. We're gonna recoup our investment fairly fairly fast because there's so many shortcuts made by the franchisor. And so oh, the yeah. other thing that you obviously get to see is you could see some of those shortcuts, especially on a, a new client acquisition, 
because you can you you're you're looking at how they how they've set up their structure and you can compare it to best practices in in the one that you just said of of here's a here's a break even uh far far recouping your initial investment six months in uh you can see those things so it's like everything you're saying like you have the the secret data <laughs> private equity should be looking at as an indicator of whether whether a business is good or not and then you also have the secret indicator of how that private equity fund is going to recoup their investment because they can improve their tech stack and you you know how to do that too oh man yeah you're right and and just a note on that there are some private equity groups in this space that are there they have the right idea right they're saying hey we need to unify our operations around a technology that can give us data but they keep putting people on like Salesforce and that's yeah. like crazy expensive. No one uses it. it. It actually reduces. I mean, as much as they like to trumpet this at the unit level, mm -hmm. the operator level, Salesforce actually reduces workforce effectiveness, uh, especially in franchising and the data is cobbled, right? It's a mess. So I, I just, you know, a cry, a plea for help from these guys, like, stop it. Like there are a couple of good options. I'm one of them, but like just got to stop putting people in bad systems just to get data because you're crippling productivity and and uh, and ticking off all the franchise operators. Like there are better solutions, but the idea is right. You want to have better visibility. You want to have better predictability, so you can coach, mentor, scale, and the technology should be should be a, a growth factor, an X factor, not not an inhibitor in yeah. that case. Well, it's interesting on the on the Salesforce uh, comments. Like if you and I were just having beers, and I'm I'm talking to you about some of the challenges that we had to overcome as a business. I think back to early stages, uh, it was easier to sign up with either a competitor or a big agency um, because when CEO put the pressure on, you're like, well, I went with the biggest. And so sometimes that exists. And then some of the bigger private equity uh, players, when you're dealing with that much cash, it's like, yeah, but my my golf buddy uh, does sales for them. So it's like, it's yeah. a, almost like a political game, even though you figure out a solve on how to do something better sometimes the the politics of, of who you use probably get interferes even if it's not the right decision oh yeah and brand equity right i mean i mean it's a 26 billion dollar company but uh i mean there's a reason why we outrank them and have for a couple of years now on the entrepreneur rankings right it's just not the right fit they used to say no one never gets fired for hiring ibm or salesforce many people should be fired the problem is is they they make that decision they're a million dollars into it two years later and they'd have to admit to the board that they blew a million dollars and that they need to fire themselves to get a different solution. That That's a very difficult position to put yourself into when you were trusting the salespeople that, that you know, pitched a solution to you. And then you're, you're way over budget and way delayed on delivery. And no one wants to use it. Like it's, it's a hard position. I, I'm not trying to make fun. I just, I recognize it. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's tough and uh, time for people to wake up though and start thinking more strategically and industry aligned though that that's probably the wake up call that I, I would I would request from anyone who listens in. How has the campfire dream changed? What is it? Was it? What is it today? Yeah, it's it's been a great ride. I mean, <clears throat> you know, there's a there's a big need in this space. There's a lot of blue sky, a lot of growth, and we've grown uh, almost 14x in five years, and uh, which is great. Um, and and yet there's so much more that we can do. So. The company has grown. The tech stack's grown tremendously. Client client databases has obviously grown a lot. We've added a lot of nice marquee accounts. We're working with several platform companies. Like it's, it, we're in a great spot, and and just we're we're enjoying it. Had a lot of growth pains. I mean, nobody that's in tech doesn't have growth pains. Um, you know, some surprises, 
whole A2P mess has been a real treat for everyone who knows what that means. If not, just be grateful you don't have to deal with it. Um, you one day will. Uh, but you know, you, I see you laughing, but it's a, you know, there's this fun, unanticipated challenges you got to solve. Uh, so, but I, I'd say it's been a really enjoyable ride and, 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 you know, we've actually gotten to about the point, like where we, we'd kind of thought, okay, let's get here. But now it's time to like, I was just telling my son, like, I've got to, we've got to set like new, more lofty goals. Cause we're starting to attain those lofty goals we had set, which is cool. Um, so yeah, it's been a real rewarding ride. I'll just say that. Are you a tech guy or are you a business guy? A little bit of both, actually. I'm, I'm my my upbringing in uh, first first role was working for a systems management sales software company. Got bought by Symantec for about a billion dollars and uh, a long time ago. So I, I I would got in deep into tech and have always kind of been dabbled in tech. But I'm really more of a business guy, uh, sales and marketing, business kind of strategist. That's more my strength. So if someone's been listening to our conversation so far and you wanted the ghost candidate to know this last bit about Client Tether. What, what do you want them to know about your business to maybe push them over the edge to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, CRM, sales tech, sales automation, it's scary, right? It, it's, a, it's a risky change to make. Uh, we've just been building a model around franchising for the last five years to de-risk the change, right? So uh, humans are key to success in technology and most private equity groups or other groups have, have argued the opposite case for a while, but we know that's the case. And so we put our best resources in, in, into the, the, the ecosystem so that every client has someone to hold their hand, to make sure the imports are done well, to make sure their data is coming through, to make sure the automations are set up. So we try to de-risk the change factor to take, to take away the fear. And, and then you've got, a, you've got a dedicated support team to help hold your hand. So if, you're, if you find yourself in a position where you're working with a good marketing partner like Nick, He's generating more leads for you. You're not getting the ROI, your R O your ROAS, your ROAS, your ROI, your, you know, your cost per cost per customer acquisition is is not where you want it to be. It's most likely not because of marketing deficiencies. It's 80% of the time it's on the other side of the fence and you need to really evaluate your sales strategy. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody because I guarantee we can find a way to help them streamline that part of their business model. And if it's even not with me, if they've got a good enough tool, I'll point them in the right direction. But it's really about speed to lead and then the engagement sequence with that lead within the first three to four minutes, mission critical stuff. And then nurturing. Nurturing can add 33% more to your sales with 50% less cost. I mean, there, there are so many data points around this. It's, it should be irrefutable kind of general knowledge now. But I still am surprised how few people understand the impact of recurring engagement with clients, retention data, referral data, rep, online reviews and reputation, all those things uh, are very easy to solve for. And uh, and those are things that if you're having challenges with it, I'd love to help you. Love it. I mean, like if I if I think through what you're you're building, even backing into the FranDev side, which again, I think I think you were always in FranDev. You were just helping franchises be sold versus processing. Right. Uh, the candidate, um, I think the the biggest thing you just said is is supporting uh, franchisors. The reality is, and I think this has been the biggest miss of the industry when it comes to tech stack, is people on FranDev aren't tech geniuses. Uh, neither neither are those on marketing. No. And that's why they rely on partners. And so the the platforms that that have existed in franchising, if you've been sold one of them and you've onboarded with them or as, as big as a HubSpot or a Salesforce, they're not designed to go support you. 
And so now, like if we think about you're only as fast as your slowest mover, if you're taking taking the approach of let let us guide you to the right solution for your business this is how our tech stack will start solving some of those issues. I think you already cross off 99% of the, the gap uh, in franchising when it comes to technology, which is is supporting uh, people and showing them, you know, a, a very simplistic way to getting back to success. And you have all the metrics beyond it. But just the handholding is such a miss in franchising that the fact that you guys are doing it, uh, I think sets you up really well for wherever the future in your business goes. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. It's it's the uh, the the humans. Like it's always been about that. It's about trust, right? Like people, trust is the commodity of exchange. And so, like if if people are willing to say, "Hey, I, I find value in your service. I want to give you money for it," they've got to trust that you can help them succeed. And some people just buy into these visions, these big lofty sales plans and pretty presentations, and it's too bad. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Like the other the other guys, you know, I respect them. I've been an admin over Salesforce. I've I've rolled out Dynamics before. I, I know the platforms. I've been in them. And uh, but the reality is the support model is just not what's needed in the industry. And maybe one day they'll figure that out. But until then, we'll we'll be grateful that they haven't got it figured out. Yeah, we'll just. Don't don't tell anybody. Like <laughs> Dave, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you sharing your story. Good luck as a as a franchisee. We'll have to do another one where we're doing meet the franchisee because that's uh, that's your new new uh, new title. But uh, appreciate this. Thanks for doing it uh, for Dave. I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier.